Well, again, I'm glad to be with you, and thank you for uh, Pastor Antonio's invitation to come and share the Word of God with you tonight. And uh, bear with my English, it's not good, but I'll do my best, okay? So let's, uh, let's work, go to the Word of God in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, 8, and we're going to read from verse uh, 1 through verse uh, through verse 17, where we read of three uh, miracles performed by our Lord Jesus Christ after, according to Matthew, preaching the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So, uh, Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. When he came down from the mountain, Great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you. Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you through the only mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know, O Lord, that through him we have access to the throne of your grace in which we are able to um, rest in you, knowing that in Jesus Christ, you receive, you hear, and you accept our prayers, our petitions, and thankfulness. Father in heaven, we, we pray especially for the illumination of your Holy Spirit on us. 
Lord, work in our hearts, in our minds, and help us to, to understand the word, to communicate the word, and to live according to the word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, as I said, uh, our passage uh, comes right after the Sermon on the Mount when, when Jesus was preaching in Galilee in, 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 in Israel. He was north of Israel. If you remember, by that time when Jesus lived, uh, Israel or um, the, the whole country was divided into three districts. The north uh, center, which, which was Samaria, and the south were the region of Judea. So he was preaching in Galilee, north of Israel. And as soon as he finished preaching that sermon and teaching, uh, in Jesus' ministry there was a, a perfect balance, so to say, between, between doctrine and the practice of doctrine. Between, uh, between theory, so to say, and, and the putting to practice of the theory. He was not a mere preacher, but he lived what he preached. He, he did what he, what he believed. And that sets a, a parameter for us as well. That as the Lord Jesus Christ, we also have to, to study the word. We have to, to preach, to teach, or communicate the word. But we have to live according to that word. And as soon as he, was, he, he finished preaching, uh, he went, so to say, right into the missionary field. And he encountered three, three persons. The first one was a leper. You know, he, uh, he was an outcast, so to say, in, in, in the society of, of, of Israel in that time. And uh, nobody wanted to be around a leper. You know, he, he, wa- he had a, 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 an illness that, that had no cure in that time. And he had a sentence of death, so to say, on him. But Jesus did what nobody did. He, not, he didn't only heal him, but he, he touched him. Right? He touched the leper. And he restored his health, but also he restored his life back to, to the life of the community. This leper was able to go back to his family, to his wife, to his children. He was able to go back to, to the temple to worship the Lord. So Jesus is a restorer not only of health, but also of the whole life. When a person comes to him, his life is completely restored. And, and then we read uh, from verses 14 through 17 that he had another encounter, so to say, with a woman. And this, this is important because women in that time were not uh, appreciated very much by, by, by the society. But we see that Jesus came to the house of uh, Peter and he had his, his mother-in-law sick, which means that, you know, Peter uh, was married, right? He was married and his mother-in-law was, was, had a, a fever. The Gospel of Luke tells us that it was a, a great fever. You know, it might not be a big deal for us today with all the technology that we have at reach. But back then, to have a, a big fever, a high fever, was really uh, the end of your life. So when Jesus comes to this woman, 
this woman, and he doesn't discriminate, he comes and, and heals Peter's mother-in-law, we, we are able to see that also he didn't only heal her, but he restored her life in order to serve him. And that's what he does with us, right? When he heals us physically, but mainly spiritually, when he brings salvation to our life, it's in order to, to serve him, to serve his church, to, to serve his people. And we're going to concentrate tonight on verses 5 through, through 13 when we have another unique encounter of Jesus. He, he, we read in verse, verse um, 4, 8, 4, um, we read that he, he healed the, the leper. And then in verse 5, we read when he entered Capernaum. Remember, the leper, because he was an outcast, he was not living in the cities or in, in, in towns. They had to be outside. Okay? So, uh, most probably then, he met the leper uh, on his way to Capernaum, to the city. And you can imagine his own disciples and the people around him when the leper was approaching him. Right? So, but then he went to Capernaum. And remember that Capernaum was, was the city that Jesus adopted as his own city. He was, he, he was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. But then when he began his ministry in Galilee, he, he, went to, he established himself in Capernaum, which was a sea city, right? The, the Jews call uh, the lake of uh, Galilee uh, a sea because it, it, was, it is a big lake. You know, when, when we were in Chicago, uh, we were living in Indiana, but we, were, we had our, our church work in, in Illinois, like 45 minutes from, from the city of Chicago. And, and, you know, people say, let's go to the beach. No, let's go to, to, to the sea. It, it, it's not that we don't know that it is not, it's not the sea, but it's big and people just call it that way. And back then, too, the Jews, you know, they, they used to call the Lake of Galilee the Sea of Galilee, right? But that doesn't mean that the Bible is wrong. No, it was just a common way of speaking that they said the, the Sea of Galilee, but it's actually a lake, but a big lake. So, Jesus went into Capernaum, and it is interesting that Jesus, in, 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 in living in Capernaum, uh, teaches us that his ministry was not only a rural ministry. It included that. He went to little towns, but he began his ministry in an urban area. So Capernaum was a main city in, in Israel, in Galilee. It, it was actually uh, uh, a border city between you know, Syria and Israel. And, uh, and the Romans who had conquered the Jews in that time had a soldiers stationed in, in the city of Capernaum as we will see later. So when he entered Capernaum, he, when he went to the city, a centurion came forward to him appealing to him. So we see that uh, there is another person approaching Jesus Christ. And it is a centurion. But who, uh, who was this man? A centurion uh, was a soldier. And as the name indicates, 
centurion 100 he was in charge of 100 soldiers okay uh, he was in charge of 100 soldiers so this this man whose name we don't know he was a renowned soldier in in Rome he was a centurion he was not a common soldier he already had a lot of experience he already went to battle he 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 fought for his own country and now he reached a high position he had authority over 100 soldiers so he was an experienced man he was a tough man and that's the interesting fact among other things because these men comes to Jesus Christ appealing to him pleading with him begging him telling him please help me so he was a soldier but the fact that he was a centurion implies that besides being a soldier he was also a Roman which means he was a Gentile right he was not of the Jewish race he was not one of the people of God he was a Gentile he was like you and me right we are Gentiles too in that respect so but you see the point you see the point that a centurion a great soldier with a lot of experience and power and authority and he was hated by the Jews but at the same time they had to respect him because he had the power okay so this guy a tough guy comes to Jesus he was a Gentile and remember that, that the Jews also could not fellowship could not have uh, physical contact with Gentiles because ritually they became unclean which meant that they couldn't go to the temple to offer sacrifices and worship the Lord so they avoid contact with, with Gentiles but Jesus uh, Jesus welcomed him as well you see, he welcomed him as well. So he was a Gentile, hated by Jews. He was a, a, a Roman soldier. And what Matthew says, every word he says is very important. He says, he, he, he came forward to him, appealing to him, pleading with him. It was really humiliating for a soldier to, to, to plead, to, to beg, to, to ask Jesus to do something. But as can you see, uh, as you can see, I'm sorry, uh, this centurion who was stationed and lived in Capernaum already knew about Jesus Christ. So the Lord brought this centurion to Capernaum not only for the sake of war and protection, but he brought him to Capernaum to have a real encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he already knew, he heard who Jesus was. He didn't have a high doctrine of Christology as we do. That Jesus was true God and true man. That he was the son of God. That he was the Messiah. He probably had heard some of those things. But he didn't know for sure who he was. But he knew. And John Calvin in his commentary, he says that God placed this man there. And the Holy Spirit illuminated him in such a way that he perceived that Jesus was not a mere man. He was something else. He was something 
special. Somebody really special. And, and you know, so special that this, this soldier humbles himself. It was very humbling, humiliating for him to come and, and, and plead with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, back in that time when, 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 when people approach a Lord, as he calls the Lord Jesus Christ, their, their custom was not like we do, right? Like, sir, how are you doing? Uh, can I ask you a... F-? No, they, they, the Bible says that they prostrate themselves. They came to the ground, actually. So he saw in Jesus somebody who was very special. And this tough soldier who was expecting from other people to beg him for help. He's the one who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had a need. He had a need. And he knew that Jesus was able to help him. And have this in mind. You know, nowadays with technology, like this one here you know you know here in america for example we have access to to the best of technology right but there are some cases for example when somebody is sick um, that technology doesn't help right and the centurion uh he had uh at hand all the medical technology so to say available he was able to call a medical doctor from, from Capernaum or from Jerusalem or ask, you know, one of the best coming from, from Syria or Damascus, you know, to help his servant, as we will see. But they were not able to help him. You see the point? Nobody was able to help the centurion in this case. And he said he knew that Jesus Christ was the only one able to help him and that's that's true today as well you know there is a point in our lives in which the only one to help us is the Lord Jesus Christ we are sick so to say without Christ our illness is incurable and there is only one able to help us so he he came to the Lord Jesus Christ and and he said verse 6 Lord my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Every word Matthew uses is important. He calls Jesus Lord. And again, he probably didn't mean Lord as, as we do. But he saw Jesus as someone who was special and was using a title of respect. of Somebody who had somehow authority and power to help him in this case. But the word Lord coming out from the lips of a centurion, a Roman soldier, who had authority over 100 soldiers, was not a lively thing. Who was the lord of the Romans? Caesar. The Roman emperor. He was the lord. And he was lord not in the way we think. They thought that the emperor was somehow divine. Or, if it was not divine, that, that the deity, that God somehow, or it, the superior being, dwell in the emperors. So that he represented God himself. So there was no other Lord in the whole Roman Empire except the Caesar, the Roman Emperor. 
And you see this man comes to Jesus and calls him Lord. His Lord in Rome was not able to help him. But he realized by the illumination of the Holy Spirit that this Lord in front of him was not only another Lord, but he was and he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So he was coming before the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he was saying, you are the only one who is able to help me now that I need it. My Lord, the Roman Emperor, is, no, is not able to help me. He, hasn't, he doesn't have the power to do it, but you do. You have the power to do it. Wasn't that amazing? He said, Lord, my servant is paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. You know, if we go to, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, we read there that, that he, he was about to die. And he said he was, he's lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And this is another note of importance, because, you know, the centurions, um, he was an experienced soldier. A, a servant or a slave, as the Greek says there, you know, uh, was of, of no importance to them. This Gentile, tough man, he, he had compassion of, on his servant. So this guy already, not that in himself was, he was uh, good and, and gentle and kind, but the Holy Spirit already was working in him. And he's showing us that there are no limits for the power of the Holy Spirit. He's able to reach even the toughest guy. He reached you and me. Right? He did. But we have a lesson here, I believe, that a Gentile, a Roman soldier, one who probably killed many, he had compassion on his servant, on a slave. And that sets also a parameter for us that if Gentiles or non-believers have compassion on other people, shouldn't we, Christians, who say that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a compassionate Lord, shouldn't we have compassion as well on other people? Right? We should have compassion. So he was paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Terribly. Paralysis, you know, was a very um, harsh illness. And he, he was... He was, to die. he was about to die. And this man comes uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, Help me. Help me. So what, what was the reaction of the Lord Jesus Christ be, uh, before this centurion? Again, remember the Jews were not allowed to socialize with Gentiles. They were not allowed. Especially with a Roman soldier who was hated by, by them. Uh, what was Jesus' reaction and attitude? We read there, and he said to him, I will come and help him. You see the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? He says, I, I will come and heal him. Which meant that Jesus was willing not only to heal the servant, but to go into the house of a Gentile. Amen. You know, the way he, he, he healed the leper, he touched the leper. They were the untouchable. Nobody wanted to get contaminated by them. But Jesus touched him. 
And now he says, I will come and heal him. Which meant, if he was lying paralyzed at home, he meant, I'm, I'm going into your house, under your roof, to heal him. No matter what people think of that. And there were many Jews around him. So, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, what was the, the, the centurion's reaction to that? Notice, but the centurion replied, Lord, I'm, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. You know, nowadays in many churches, people approach Jesus as their little friend or body, right? Or uh, their mate, you know, their uh, little brother. And they talk to him like, not a big deal. But guess what? When the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, and you, you come to realize who Jesus is, you, you revere Jesus. You respect Jesus. You, you love Him. You are respectful of His word, of His person and work. And you adore. You worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You humble Himself to the ground before Him. You don't come and say, Hey, how are you doing there? No. True Christians, by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, who come to realize how sinful they are, that they deserve condemnation, and at the same time, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, come to realize the holiness of Jesus Christ. The person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the first thing they acknowledge is their own, is their first, first is their unworthiness. I am not worthy of you. I am not worthy. You see, the leper, the leper, you know, he had a skin disease, which actually his, his skin was falling into pieces, you know, from his body, and you could see the flesh. We are like that, spiritually speaking, before God, before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is holy and pure, and we are not. And the centurion realized that. He said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of you coming into my house. The centurion didn't only recognize that, that the Jews were not allowed to have contact with Gentiles. I think the centurion saw more in Jesus Christ. He not only he didn't only think, ah, no, because you are a Jew, you shouldn't come under my roof because I'm a Gentile. He probably saw that for sure. You know, he knew it. But he saw more in Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy of you. And brothers and sisters, we're not worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ either. But this is where we come to realize that as we as we sang, amazing grace. That he had mercy on me. Right? It's amazing. That's why we sing amazing grace. So, the centurion said, I'm not worried to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. How did the centurion knew that, that Jesus was, was able to heal just by saying a word? Who's, who heals that way? So he... Again, by the, by the Holy Spirit, he came to realize 
Jesus Christ is so powerful that the only thing he needs to do is to say, I want your servant be healed, and he will be healed. I mean, he came to have such a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the word of Jesus. Do you have that faith too? Do you truly believe that Jesus is able to heal you, to save you, to do wonders in your life? Now, we have to stop here and reflect how this centurion came to have such faith. Because we might start thinking, he was the source or the origin of that faith. No, he wasn't. The centurion, as we said before, was placed in Capernaum by God's will. And the Holy Spirit was already working in him. And the faith that he had was not a work of himself, as Paul says in in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the gift of God given to him. So it's not, the, the lesson here is not, you should have such a faith like the centurion. Meaning, you are the source of that faith. No, we are not the source. We are the recipients of that faith it's a gift given to us God had mercy on him illuminated him in such a way that because of the work of the Holy Spirit he came to have a true and saving faith in Jesus Christ so he says just say the word and my servant will be healed just say it you know that should be our attitude too That should be our reaction. That should be the content of our faith. So, what was powerful and unique was the object of the centurion's faith. That is to say, that he believed in Jesus Christ, who was able to heal just saying a word. And that's the challenge that Matthew is presenting us presenting here before us and that he presented before his own disciples and the people in Israel do you truly believe in the word of the Lord Jesus Christ do you truly believe that he's able to save you and forgive your sins and take you to heaven do you truly believe that and we continue reading and notice how how the centurion reasoned, so to say, in verse 9. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see the reasoning of the uh, centurion? He was reasoning, so to say, from, from the least to the greater. And he said, well... I am also a man under authority, which meant that he was under the authority of his superiors. And ultimately, he was under the authority of the Roman emperor. So to disobey the centurion meant to disobey who? The Roman emperor. And the man who disobeyed the centurion, he already had a sentence of death on him. But you see the reasoning, the centurion said... I am under such authority. And at the same time, he was given authority over a hundred soldiers. He said, if I am under that authority, and I have the authority to do this and that, by my word, 
That's a comparison as well. Because he only said, hey, you go and do this, and things were done. He said, if I do have that authority, how much more? The Lord Jesus. How much more? He's not only the Lord of the Roman Empire. He is the Lord, the possessor, the creator of the whole universe. And he said, how much more? That's why he said, just say the word. Say the word. You see, brothers and sisters, it's not what we do or who we are or what we have. It is by God's power. So everything we do and say is because of God's power. So if the Roman emperor was behind the centurion, so to say, he was his Lord. We have a greater Lord. The Lord Jesus. So if Jesus, as Paul says in Romans, right? If, if God is with us, who is against us? You see, all of this has to do with, with the work of evangelism as well. In what respect? That if we come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who He is and His power, we will really rely on Him for the work of evangelism. We will go and communicate the gospel to people, share the word with them, and leave the results to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? You don't want to force anybody to believe. You can't. But the Lord Jesus Christ, He has the authority to change lives. And if we rely on Him as the centurion did, He will bless our work. And we continue reading, and then uh, we read in, in verse... Uh, 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, Truly I, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. He was a Gentile, hated by Jews. He was a pagan. He didn't know anything about the gospel. And, and, and who, who thought that this man was going to be praised by the Lord Jesus Christ? Because of his faith. And again, remember, it's not his faith, meaning he was the origin of that faith. But God gave him faith. Amen. You know, when I was studying this passage, I was reflecting on big names. Arceus Sproul, right? Uh, Mark Dever, um, Piper, and other guys. And we come to think, man, those, those are men of faith. And some of them are. But not, it's not because of their names. And we tend to despise others, right? The elderly in church, especially nowadays that the youth despises the elderly. They don't want to do anything with all people. Or that poor man or woman who didn't go to college or they don't have money. I don't think they have such, such, such a faith. They can't. He, this man was hated by the Jews. He was the last one they thought... He was going to be praised by the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, in church, who are the ones who pray the most for you, for your pastor, for your congregation? Those of whom we think they are the least. Really. In, in our church, we have a lot of elderly people. And I'm always amazed when these Widows come to me and they say to me, 
I'm praying for you daily. That's amazing. You know, they, they embarrass me. You know, they, they put me to shame because I don't do it as they do. But you know what, brothers and sisters? Faith is a gift of God and He gives it to whoever He wants. It's not because of your big name or what you do and say or, you know, we read theological books, we read this systematic theology, we read this and that. And, but guess what? Those people, not all of them, but most of the time, they are the most arrogant, they are the most cocky, right? And that doesn't mean they have such a faith. Because faith doesn't come through a lot of knowledge. Otherwise, we would be Gnostics, right? But faith is a gift of God. And, 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 and that faith is given to whom, whoever He wants. Isn't that amazing? Because He gave faith to you and me. We were, not, we were unworthy of that faith. But He gave it to us. He gave it to us. It is a gift. And Jesus says, He marveled. You see the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, the affection of Jesus, so to say, the the emotional life of our Lord. We are human beings, even though we are Christians, we are still sinners, and we tend we tend to sh- to shove. Is that the word? To shove? To, to to we want other people to see my faith, what I do for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, faith is not run, but then we twist it, right? And which is what you see. Uh, this is what I do. Or, you know, I, I know this. I know that. I, you know, I went to college. Or this. I'm not saying that is wrong. No, but we tend to, to put ourselves before people so that they they see us, and we want to be praised by others. But guess what? Jesus was marvelled. At the faith of the centurion. Not that he was taken by surprise. But he was glorifying his father in heaven. For giving this man such a faith. Amen. You want to be elevated to the highest position? Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do. When you come to believe in him. When you say you are my Lord. Guess what? It's not your the person next to you who says, wow. No. Who is marvel at your faith is the very Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? He says, wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, if, if you want to be elevated to the highest position of all, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what others think of you. Believe in Him. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that when we come to believe in Jesus, we are already seated in the heavenly places with Him. So faith takes us from nothing to the highest position. And Jesus rejoices at your faith. He marvels at your faith. What else do you want? Do you want to be praised by others? Jesus said to the Pharisees, Oh yeah, they'll, they'll get their reward. And they did, right? The Pharisees did. Oh, people said, Oh yeah, pious man. Oh yeah. 
very knowledgeable. That was it. That was their reward. But when we come to believe in Jesus Christ, He is our reward. What else I desire on earth, the psalmist says, if I have you, if we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue reading and then he says, and he said to those who follow him, you see, it was a teaching to all of them, even his own disciples. And it's a teaching for us. And he says, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. He, does, he didn't mean nobody believed in Israel. What he meant is that the centurion's faith was a special faith. Some people believe. A lot of people came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But these, the centurion's faith, Jesus says, With no one in Israel have I found such faith. Such a gift given to him. He had nothing to be proud of, the centurion. It was a, a, a faith given to him. And then we read... Uh, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline a table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there is too much information. We cannot, you know, explain everything there. But this was like a, like a technical term among the Jews, uh, reclining a table with the patriarchs with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they thought that that was only reserved for whom? For Jews. You see, when you read the Gospel of Matthew, even from the very first chapter, you, you will read a genealogy in which, in which Rahab, for example, is mentioned. And she was a Gentile. She was a pagan. And here already, in chapter 8 as well, Jesus is, is showing us, is teaching us that his mission was first to the Jews, but not, not only to the Jews. And that with him, the salvation given by God was going to be brought to the whole world, was being expanded beyond the limits of Israel. That's why he says... Uh, he said, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in, in the kingdom of heaven. They will celebrate. They will feast with the patriarchs. And guess what? We will have that privilege. Not because we deserve it, but because in spite of our own unworthiness, God has given us faith. You think... You enjoy sitting with friends and families, dining and celebrating, and that's a good thing we do. But that's just a, a foretaste of what we're going to have in heaven. Sitting with the patriarchs, sitting with the very Lord Jesus Christ. That's why He's true, true God and true man. And He will be there and we'll see Him. And we will rejoice and celebrate the wonders of his salvation, the marvelous works that he did for you and me, and what he did for the centurion. And guess what? We'll see the centurion. And he will see us there, reclining. You, you know, it doesn't say sitting. Some translations say sitting, but the actual always reclining, because they didn't have chairs like we do. 
you know, they sat on the floor or reclined, and they were just chatting and eating. So that's why we read reclining, a table with the patriarchs. While the son of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, Matthew is, is teaching us the only way to get to the kingdom of heaven is through faith. That's it. There is no other way. There is no other way. It's by having faith in the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. It's not by physical descent. It's not by what you have, what you owe, who you are. If you speak English or Spanish or Japanese or Filipino or... No, nothing like that. It's by faith. Coming to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you start boasting of your church or of your this or your that, you'll be out. But if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and you acknowledge your own unworthiness, you'll be in. You'll be, you'll be dining with him. And to the centurion, Jesus said, go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. Not in proportion to his faith. Not because he had such a big faith. No. Because what he wanted the most was that Jesus healed his servant. That's what he wanted. And Jesus granted his petition. He said, as you believe, you wanted this, go home. Your servant is healed. And we read, and the servant was healed. At that very moment. May the Lord help us to see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us to rely on Him. To believe in Him. Remember that man whose child was sick. And Jesus asked him, do you have faith that I can heal him? And he said, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Help me to to have faith in you. If you are struggling... If you're struggling and you are like, "Ah, I don't know. If you're struggling, ask the Lord to give you faith. It doesn't depend on you. Most of the time, you know, when we struggle is because we have a wrong concept of faith. We think that we have to produce faith. And if that were the case, we're lost. But when you feel that way, just say, Lord, please help me to believe. Help me to believe in you. And he will help you. Because he is the most compassionate Lord. Who didn't reject a leper. Who didn't reject a Gentile. Who didn't reject a woman. But he embraced them. As he has embraced you and me tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Who came to us, O Lord. Who humbled himself. Who took the form of a human who became a human and was humiliated by by us but he did it out of love and mercy for us and he died for us but he rose from the dead to confirm that he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and to confirm that in him we have all that we need we have salvation eternal salvation thank you for him In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Val.